This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly sponsored by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. As a city supporter, we know you value delivery and McDelivery is up there with the very best. You'll always be winning with McDelivery because just like Kevin De Bruyne, McDelivery puts your order right on a plate. So the only thing left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get rewards points delivered as well. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for you tomorrow. Only via the app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. One step forward, two steps back for City as more drop points leaves the Blues in the lurch and their title hopes hanging by a North London and Merseyside Fred. It's Monday the 18th of December. I'm Amos Murphy. I'm Hugh Murray. And I'm George Gamble. And this is the City Report Podcast. Here for Gundogan! It is a thrilling start for Manchester City. The fastest ever goal in an FA Cup final. 2023 is the City treble year. Champions of England, FA Cup winners, and now, at last, Champions of Europe. Well then, listeners, we've uh, we've we've pulled out the big guns for this one because it's going to be an emotionally testing episode. Another disappointing result for City at the weekend, as I'm sure you all know by now. Um, I want to get straight into it because we've got plenty to cover. So, Hugh, I'll throw it to you straight away. You were in Manchester for that game, and it was looking like a brilliant day up until about what. 85 minutes, even even going into added time. What the hell went wrong for City in, in that game against Crystal Palace? What the hell? What the hell did go wrong? <laughs> I'm still kind of asking myself that, you know? Um, I mean, you, you kind of summed it up perfectly. For, for me, it was actually an overall decent performance, good performance up until about 75, you know? I was standing in the south stand with, with my pals and we we're kind of having a laugh. Everyone was in good good spirits. We thought we were going to get ourselves our three points or, um, you know, two on the bounce, Luton and Palace, then head off to Saudi, you know, hopefully win Club World Cup, come back, uh, you know, world champions. And, you know, that feel-good factor will hopefully be boosted a bit. But after the 75th minute, it, it kind of went downhill, you know. Um, it's kind of hard to, to, to put my finger on it. I'm still processing where it went wrong. But the only conclusion I can come to and... It's kind of a fast one. I've seen a lot of people talking about it on Twitter. Is I think it's a mentality issue at this point. I, I really do. I, I can't. I can't think of anything else other than a mentality issue. When you're consistently letting teams off the hook, you're consistently dropping points th- through 
letting your energy levels or your concentration drop for 15, 20 minute periods of the game. It was the same for Liverpool when Trent scored. It was the same when Chelsea went and got their equaliser. It was the same against Tottenham. And now it's the same against Palace. The Villa game was just a whole 90 minutes of, of absolute crap. But yesterday it was a 15 minute period where we just lowered our gears completely. We just stopped playing. Um, and to get that one goal back, right, it's 2-1, set-up shop. You, you need a leader on the pitch at that point. That's that's another big point. I'm not sure who the leader is right now who will, you know, calm everybody down, right, let's fight out, let's grind out this 2-1. No, instead we go and give away a penalty. So for me, I think there's a, a leadership issue in the team. I don't think company would have allowed what happened yesterday. I don't think Fernandinho would. I don't think Gundogan would. Um, so I don't know. It's It's a really tough one to take, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, we could probably wrap up the episode there because I think you've you've hit the nail on the head. You know, you've you've summed it up perfectly because unlike Liverpool, unlike Chelsea, unlike Tottenham, where I think there was some tactical flaws and not necessarily thinking it was as bad as some people were suggesting, against Palace, the question of what's going wrong for City right now doesn't really stand up to the same scrutiny because City were great. City put together, and, and I've seen a few clips running back of some of the moves and the passing and the ball dominating City were doing. City were really good. That, that looked like a Manchester City performance up until a couple of brain farts in, in the last 15 minutes. Um, George, I mean, I guess the question people are asking is how do you legislate for stuff like that? Because Palace scored from, I believe I'm right in saying, they're only two shots on target. Um, yeah, they, they had two shots on target and scored two goals, which is, is a, a developing theme for City this season. But, you know, some people say, yes, OK, you've got to fix up defensively. You've got to try and sort that out. But you're going to concede goals during the season. But if you have five matches where every team score with their only shots on target, it points towards a problem. But I really don't know. I mean, we've all watched football for a number of years. We've we've seen you know different periods in City's history and, and we've seen good defending, we've seen bad defending, whatever. I, I just don't know what, how you stop that, how you go about stopping it, because it seems like it is just one of them things. Yeah, that's right. I mean, the term need to sort the defence out, it's kind of vague for me. It's like, well, what aspects mm. of that do you mean? You know, is there... But the thing is with the City, it feels like there's not been one instant of like that consistently happens. And for me, it seems like a really, really weird thing to say in December. We don't look match sharp, in my opinion. I, I don't know what it is. I don't feel like we do. We're failing to put games to bed yet again. We're not being, we're not being ruthless whatsoever. You know, it's the first time since, I think, 2018 we've led 2-0 at home and not one. Um, mm. And how often... Do teams score against us with their first effort on target? And as you mentioned, they they had two shots on target yesterday, obviously with the penalty as well. And it's just a it's a common theme. It really is. Um, you know, but we are very defensively suspect. Not kept a clean sheet in the league since that three 0 win over United uh, back in October. But that was eight league games ago. You'd kind of think in the you know the next eight games after that, at some point, you know, we'll keep a clean sheet. We might concede the odd one here and there, but we'll put the games to bed. And and we're just not. Um, I mean, I wouldn't say necessarily alarm bells are ringing. I just think. There always seems to be a thing with City. There comes a time when things aren't good. We're always in the media like, oh, City aren't the team of old. They're not They're not as good as they were. And then we completely turn it around. And I'm, I'm still waiting for that moment, though. Hmm. Um, but for me, yesterday, I was really disappointed with Kyle Walker. Um, I've sung his praises constantly. You know, for example, in that run in the Champions League last season, I thought he was excellent, really helped us on our way to the final. But his concentration levels just aren't where they need to be. You know, he's in that side. You need to play to your strengths. And... His strength, as everyone knows, is he is absolutely rapid. But we didn't see that yesterday. You know, when Mateta mm. made that run through, Diaz was obviously alongside him. But Kyle Walker was jogging in behind when he would, could quite easily have been up alongside the other side of Mateta, and it wouldn't have been it would have, wouldn't have been an issue. But he just let Diaz try and handle it. 
And I was a bit mm, not sure about that. But you can kind of let them off. Players make mistakes. It happens. But then for the penalty, again, it was it was a comedy of errors for me. Obviously, Kyle Walker's mm. trying to track the initial uh, runner with the tackles put in. And the ball's kind of just left there in the box with both Kyle Walker and Phil Foden staring at it, thinking well, which one of us is going to go and get it. And there's just sheer, what seems to be a lack of communication, results in Foden panicking and trying to clear the ball away and obviously booting the player and we give away the penalty. But what was so frustrating is I, I can handle dropping points. I can. Ha- it, this is football at the end of the day and look where we've come from. I, I don't want to beat that drum, but things happen. Obviously, it's that level of football. Every Every single opponent is going to have a spell of the game where they offer an attacking threat. But the fact that it could have so easily been dealt with and the the goals that they scored came from our own mistakes is what really gets at me. Um, so it's, it's just a frustrating one. And I think that needs to sort be sorted out because going forward, I don't think there's a, as big a problem as people make out. Like we're still scoring goals. Yes, we should be more efficient. We need to be more ruthless. And, but that will come as we go further into the season for me. But yeah, defensively, I think we let ourselves down yesterday. Yeah, perfectly put. Again, I mean, we're, we're bringing the, the the takes today, and I'm loving it. It's been, um, yeah, I, I totally agree. I totally agree. And I'm, I want to pick up on Kyle Walker because I was going to do a little segment on him in the second half of the show, but I think it's sort of it's very pertinent. So it's, it's only right we speak about it now. And, and Hugh, I'll ask you this question. Um, we we obviously sung the, the song last season, best defense in Europe, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But uh, that that back five, if you include sort of Rodri into it, and, and obviously Edison, that makes it a six. Um, that started the Champions League final for City, Edison, Akanji, Stones, Diaz, Nathan Ake, Rodri as well. We haven't seen that once this season in the Premier League, I believe. And obviously part of that is because of Kyle Walker. Do you feel like he's playing too much football? Do you feel like he should be in the starting eleven? Do you even feel like he's in City's best starting eleven? Because for me, last season, I know Akanji is the fall guy for some people a lot of the times. So I think it's fair to say he's the... The, I use the, the term worst loosely, but he isn't as good as Nathan Ake. He isn't as good as Diaz. He isn't as good as Guardiola in terms of what they offer. But he seemed to have found a role on that right-hand side of the defence and it allowed sort of City to add that extra layer of protection. With Kyle Walker, though, c- can you tell me what his role in this team is? Because he's not an attacking fullback, although he spends half of his time in the, in the attacking third. He's, as George mentions, primarily known for his sort of recovery pace and in transition, but City have been being burned in transition the amount of counter-attacking goals we've conceded. So you've got to ask the question, what is the point of him being there if the role he's there to do isn't being done? I, I, I'm, I'm asking myself this question a lot recently. I'm at questions like, what did Pep say to, to Walker in their dinner? Did, did he promise him that, <laughs> that he'd get game time every single week? Is it, I, I don't know. It's, it's a really tough one. I'm a massive fan of Kyle Walker. I always will be. For for me, he's he is the greatest right back to ever play in the Premier League, and he's shown that he's really proven that he can do it at the highest level um, for for many many years. And his and his medal collection speaks for itself. But in terms of this season, he doesn't look like the Kyle Walker that that we've known for for a long long time. I mean, it's obvious his biggest asset is his pace. Um, I get the slight feeling. I don't know if people agree that his pace might be waning a bit. Um, I mean, that comes with age. It's it's only natural. And the the positioning is weird. I mean, his next best attribute is definitely his 1v1 defending and his positioning and his know-abouts and how to go up against a good winger. But his, even his positioning sometimes is very off right now. So... I, I'm not sure what he's there to offer because going up the pitch, I think crossing, he's poor. I think offensively in general, he's poor. Um, but it's just it's just strange. I know John Stones has been out um, for large parts of the season, but what worked best for us was 
in the second half of the season was the four centre halves, the back, uh, and John Stones generally would would move into the middle of the park. So why switch it up? Why switch it up to having Kyle Walker become essentially as an attacking fullback when he's not an attacking fullback? Um, it just doesn't make sense to me. Um, as cynical as it is, I'd, I'd like to see him taken out of the team for a little bit and go back to that um, sort of setup that we had, um, slightly more defensive, do what's worked best for us because what we're doing right now isn't working. Um, it's, it's just not. I mean, as you said yourself, we're getting stung on the counter really badly. We saw it against um, against Tottenham. We've now seen it against Palace. We've seen it, you know, it's it's getting tough to watch at this point, but we'll see. Mm, yeah, I don't think it's a coincidence the goals that City have conceded, especially against Palace, both came down that right hand side, um, and I think it's telling that you know that is that is Kyle Walker. And and like I said, you know, I've said this on this show before, but at the at the start of the season, I wouldn't have minded him going. I felt like he, he would have left on a high. He obviously wasn't a mainstay in the team last time around, but at the same time, I felt his experience would be great as long as he wasn't playing every single Premier League match. And I've said it before, and I'm saying it again, he's still playing every single Premier League match. And and George, it, it just sort of screams towards. I don't know if this is me being cynical, but it, it feels like the captaincy was a bit of an olive branch, and, and we, we know that the team votes on it. And I think you look across the the uh, the squad itself, and, and a, a, a sort of topic we'll touch on in part two. There's not a lot of leaders in there, so maybe it was by default he gets given the armband. But it, it felt a little bit like an olive branch, as Hugh mentioned. You know, the Pep and Walker had that dinner. Pep really wanted Walker to stay, but it shouldn't have come at the cost of of other players being played ahead of him basically and I feel like that's what it is at the moment it feels like he is in there because he was promised something that at the moment shouldn't be attainable yeah I agree you know the fact that obviously he was on the on the cusp of leaving um they've had that dinner my eyebrows raised when I found out that he was one of the the members of you know that captaincy crew if Mm. you like um don't get me wrong he's he's intense obviously there's that motivation there to win and he has that attitude on the pitch I still don't think he's captain material. I don't think he is that. I mean, call me in terms of judge of character. I know we only see, you know, we don't know obviously personally what goes on, but Kyle Walker has a few times been in the headlines for for the wrong reasons. Um, you know, just as a player, because I wouldn't want him in that starting lineup the whole time, I'd be very selective of where he plays. For example, Real Madrid, Vinicius Jr., perfect matchup. Mm. That's the the perfect game for him. But consistently being in the side... I, I agree. You know, I love Kyle Walker. I think he's, I agree, he's the, in my opinion, the best right back in the Premier League scene, just in terms of what he's offered, what he's won. It's therefore to see. I won't go over what's already been said. But that's a thing of the past for me. I think you've got to look forward. And I just don't think he's at that same level that he was. And I think he's, quite more often than not, I'd say a liability at times, mm-hmm. you know, in terms of the mistakes that he makes. Um, I think it was it was against Sheffield United where we, it was his mistake. You know, that obviously, he after that, he went four guns blazing and, and atoned for that error. But nevertheless, that mistake shouldn't really be made in the first place. It was so sloppy. So for me, I want to be selective over him. And I love what he's done for the club. I just don't think we can trust him to be in that, that starting 11 week in, week out. And, and as you said... Look at that system that we played last season that was so, so good. You know, it wasn't broken. Why try and fix it? And I agree. I think it was more of an olive branch rather than something he deserved, personally. Mm. It might sound harsh to say. But yeah, moving forward, I think we need to be far more selective of when and where we use him. Yeah, yeah, absolutely agree with that as well. Um, it, it's so frustrating because I'm just looking through the stats again and, and City were so good against Palace, so good, and, yeah. and they didn't get the three points. And um, I guess we'll touch on mentality in part two. So listen, stick around. Short ad break. We'll be back after it on the other side. 
And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The Etihad Stadium really is wonderful at this time of the season. And the same goes for McDelivery. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. Welcome back to the City Report podcast. Start of a pretty big week for City, of course. Club World Cup in Saudi Arabia. Chance to be crowned world champions. Um, Hugh, I, I guess we'll do the previews later on in the week in terms of the Club World Cup and what it could mean. But do you think this comes at a good time or a bad time for City? Because granted, at the end of the day, now listeners, full clarity, we're, we're recording this before the Sunday kickoff. So Arsenal might have beaten Brighton. They might have been beat. We don't know what the points gap is going to be. Let's just say a team goes six points clear of City, which looks like it could be possible. City is still in the title race, which is remarkable. And I think any half-decent Liverpool or Arsenal team would have ran away with it right now. And it's maybe to City's luck that they haven't. But by the time City come back from Saudi Arabia, there's every chance they could be in double digits in terms of the points tally. And that that is you know, psychologically a tough gap to pull forward, even with a game in hand. But do you think this is now a good time for City to be going away and just sort of putting whatever's happened in the last few weeks behind them, a chance to win another trophy? Or do you think you would prefer them just to fix it out on the pitch at the right time, get it sorted now before we go into the second half of the campaign? Yeah, I'm in a I'm in a constant battle with myself as to which I prefer. You know, when you when you drop points or things aren't going quite your way, my natural instinct is to I just want the next game to come quickly. I want to mm. rectify it. I want a good performance. I want three points on the board so we can kind of mentally put the the dropping of points to bed and be like, no, you know, we're back on track type thing. But then the other side of that is is kind of what I was saying originally, which was um, it is a chance to win another trophy. I mean, I don't. With all due respect to it, I don't rate the Club World Cup as like a, a major, major honour. Mm. Although it's a nice token, you get your nice little gold badge that'll look nice in the shirt should we get it. Um, but primarily, I think it's it's a feel good factor. That's that's the only thing you can take from it. It's it's a feel good factor. Should we become Club World Champions? I mean, if we don't become <laughs> Club World Champions, that's that might be an issue in its own right. But yeah, I mean, to go out there and win it and uh, and, and really move on from the period we've just had would be great. But another way I'm looking at it is. I'm really hoping for business in January. I, I don't know about you guys. I really, really want some business in January. I think the squad is a bit light. And this Club World Cup period might just buy us a bit of time, you know, mm-hmm. uh, rather than playing Premier League fixtures to get to January. So there's kind of a number of ways to look at it. Um, but yeah, I mean, the the prospect of being double digits behind Liverpool or Arsenal um, come January is, is, is quite daunting. I mean, it's not something we've, we've not overcome before. We've been double digits behind before and, and gone on to win leagues. But... 
I'm not willing to rely on this idea that City will just click into this crazy gear that we've shown in recent years. I'm not willing to rely on that we'll we'll go hunting as we have done before because that's no God-given right. There's no God-given right in football to just say you go on and win 20 games in a row. Just because mm-hmm. you've done it in the past doesn't mean you're going to do it again. So I want, I'd like some business in January. I'd like to become Club World Cup champions. I'd also like to play a Premier League game this week and go on to win it, but I can't have it every <laughs> single way. <clears throat> Yeah, and I'm just looking at the fixture list. It's Everton away, City's first game back after the Club World Cup, which could turn out, given their form, they are a team in form. City yeah. certainly not. Um, George, then, obviously, sort of just to tie it into the Palace game and, and, the, and the lack of what I dubbed anyway a mentality problem. I'm with you. I think it, you know, every metric from that game suggests City should have won it by multiple goals, apart from the fact that I'm, I'm looking at it on football now. Palace had three shots in that second half. The first one didn't arrive until the 76th minute when they scored. The mm-hmm. second was the penalty and the third was in the 92nd minute when they could have won the game itself. I mean, it was an yeah. absolute piss take. However, um, ju- ju- how, how do you sort of, how, how does City go about doing this? Because I guess Vincent Company wasn't, maybe, well, he kind of was a born leader, but it comes with experience, doesn't it? And Fernandinho, similarly, you know, he was in a team, he won trophies, then he stepped up to be the captain. If we're trying to take some positivity from this, and, and you know, we, we do look at Arsenal, we do look at Liverpool, and they've not really been able to go on on a run to stretch that points tally in front. City is still in, in with a chance. And is it is the... Is it fair to say that this could just be the, the sort of the winter jitters that we see City have and, you know, the the leaders? Because think back to this time last year, I don't necessarily think people were saying Ilkay Gundogan was the leader that, that you know, we, we'd needed and we wanted. But in the second half of the season, you do grow into it. So given that the, the top spot, I don't know if this is just copium for me, but given the top spot still in, in touching distance, is it OK to have these issues now? Or do you see it more as a systemic long-term problem that we haven't really come across um, in the Pep Guardiola era? So I'm going to be a bit yin and yang here. OK. So not to be doom and gloom, but we've not won the league under Guardiola when we've been third or lower at this stage of the season. OK. We, we haven't done that. So we need to sort that out. However... I think you can also fall into the trap of being in a bad spell and making wholesale changes and actually making it kind of worse. And the thing about Guardiola is his belief in his process. You know, he won't falter from that. He knows it works. You're going to go through bad spells. Every single team goes through a bad spell. We've just seen, you know, Tottenham have done it in a very short space of time. But at the beginning of the season, everyone's like, could they be title contenders? They're fantastic. They're excellent. And then they couldn't win a game. You know, it's, you know, it goes through. That. But the problem is with City, because of our stature, because of what we've done, the spotlight is on us when we're not doing very well. That's that's the issue. So things get magnified. And I'm a firm believer in things even out over the course of a season. And obviously you mentioned about metrics. The XG metric is one that I'm not the biggest fan of all the time. I think far too much weight can be put on it. But the one thing it can often indicate is your rough about level of where you, know, where you should be in terms of certain things. And it often offers an interesting insight. So if you look at City, for example, they've conceded the second fewest expected goals in the league, only behind Arsenal, that's 16.7, but shipped 20 goals. So they've conceded more than what they were expected to. Whereas you look at Liverpool, they've conceded nearly 20 XG, but have only conceded 15. So, you know, they're Mm -hmm. massively overperforming. But these things have a tendency to even out. So for me, like I said, in terms of being yin and yang about, you know, the doom and gloom part, but I do think we just need to follow the process and it will even itself out. And we'll suddenly, we, we could be sat here in two months saying, do you remember that awful period back in December before Christmas and, and look at us now, we're performing really well. We need to keep at it. So I agree. I don't want to just rely on the, we're going to go hunting and go on an incredible run. We do need to sort things out. 
But there is a thing, you know, we have been unlucky on certain occasions. There's a very identifiable things that we can rectify. It's not as if, you know, you go in there like you were down the road and think we haven't got a clue what we're doing. <laughs> we haven't got a clue how to fix this. We know the things that are going wrong. We know what we can rely on. We know what we're good at. So I think just by sticking with it, I think it will even itself out. However, it needs to happen soon. And going back to your previous question, I actually think this could be a nice sort of little breakaway. It could be an opportunity to, you know, go there, take your mind off it a bit, a bit of mental refresh, hopefully win the trophy. And admittedly, it's not obviously the most coveted trophy. It'll be a nice thing to have. But mm. I think it could serve as wonders. I really do. Yeah, I, I subscribe to that. Um, obviously, I'll, I'll give my thoughts on the Club World Cup later on in the week, but I'd actually be really pissed off if City didn't win it because I think it, <laughs> you know, yeah. how how hard it is to qualify for yep. it, 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 it'd be a missed opportunity. Um, I sort of want to start to wrap up and, and sort of look at the big picture and in terms of the title because it is more drop points for City. I believe that's eight in the last six Premier League matches. Mm. City have dropped points from winning positions in the second half, which is, you know, a bit of a travesty, but we are still in touching distance. And I asked a question on Twitter, um, nearly half of the season left to play. Will Manchester City win the Premier League this season? If yes, slash no, give me your reasons why. And these were some of the replies. Uh, Bleedstone says, yes, we've seen this before. We've been in worse spots than this. City complacent right now, but it's fixable. We hope to have better luck with injuries. KDB returning as well. Declan Follow says, yes, it's City and Pep, which is a bold statement, but a true one at least. Um, Dave Mayer just says I don't know and I think that's a, a relatable <laughs> point at the moment I think a few of us are sat there going yep. yes I don't actually know um, Mike says I can't write them off but it just doesn't feel right at the moment other teams around us seem to be doing better than in previous seasons there's too many points up there with this season left to play for and just hoping they don't drop points um, I, I, I think that's kind of where I'm at that last point Hugh because I think as, as George mentioned there you know City's numbers in terms of performances in terms of their XG in terms of the chance creation in any other sort of method or any other sort of way you look at it good you know City have been good this season but I do feel like and and this is maybe a little bit of an emotional point more than anything but I do just feel like City's luck might have just ran out a little bit and that's not to say that our luck you know we were lucky to win the Premier League three times on the bounce we were lucky to do the travel because we deserved all of that success but you do need that bounce of the ball to go your way you do need I don't know, but Kyle Saka penalty at West Ham when the one nil up to go wide of the post and West Ham come behind. You know, you need that. And 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 I guess for for me it feels like this time City are having that. Arsenal are getting last minute winners, Liverpool are getting last minute winners. It doesn't seem like at the moment City have the look that they need to win the Premier League title. I don't know if that makes sense or it's just sort of joined up thinking. But um yeah, do you think City win the league this season from hearing him? Um <laughs> it says a lot, doesn't it? I don't. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I, might, I, might, I might join the guy who said I don't know. Um, I, I no. I believe. I believe it's 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 there. I, I believe we can still do it. I, I do for sure. And I fully take on board and I appreciate the, the, the point you're making about luck. And I, I think people don't appreciate enough how much was put into winning the treble. I know people talk about the treble mm-hmm. and it's the big word, the treble, but it was such a perfect run of form, such a perfect run of performances. And with football being cyclical, it was only natural that at some point, sooner rather than later, we were going to go through a, a bad run of form. But fortunately, this bad run of form was coming at a, a relatively early stage of the season. Um, and I know, like I said, I don't want to rely on it, but we, we are capable of putting runs together. And as George said, we are able to identify what's going wrong. It's not We're not in the dark. We're not sitting here saying, 
well, 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 what's gone wrong? What as as Pep suddenly changed things up and 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 this that the other? No, we know where it's gone wrong, and there's no better manager in the world in place right now to fix what's gone wrong than Pep Guardiola. So I still hold a huge amount of hope. I'm I'm by no means at panic stations. I'm ready to see improvements. I'm looking forward to going to games where I see, <laughs> you know, us actually seeing out the, the game. But a, a win would be a good start, wouldn't it? A win would be anything. great, Amos. A win would be absolutely fantastic. Um, but look, I mean, like the thing with these seasons is it, it is common practice. And I, I, the, the stat George gave was quite um, staggering that we haven't gone on to win a league from being this low in the Premier League under Pep Guardiola, but. It is common practice for City to be a bit lacklustre um, at this stage of the season. Maybe not this lacklustre, but a bit. I mean, I remember saying to you in our group chat last season, I was like, keep your passports in the locker, lads. We're, we're not going on to win the Champions League after um, mm. maybe Roman went 1-0 up or something. I don't even remember. And then look how that turned out. So life, life works in, football, in funny ways. Football works in funny ways. But I'm going to stick with I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it's a safe one it's a safe bet um i i, I totally I, you know it is i'm saying I agree a lot i sound like nick clegg from 2010 uh <laughs> general election i mean that's a niche reference that most people won't get um however at the same time you know I, I i do feel like there is a case of it being those jitters that we speak about but it, it does something i don't know if it's the fact that we've lost players that we you know have relied on in the past but you just we just don't know at the moment, and I think that fella got it spot on. We just don't know. Um, George, finally, then, do you, do you think City have have the minerals to go on and win the Premier League title this season? It'll be interesting in January. I think that's usually when we sort of we lock down those predictions. We know who's in the title race. Aston Villa, for example, I'd be surprised if they're still in the mix come yeah. February the first. You know, they, they're in a purple patch. They're doing well. Champions League football should be their, uh, their their aim. But do you think City sort of remedy this? They come back from the Club World Cup as world champions, having beaten I don't know the the red dra- the red dragons. No, it's the red diamonds, isn't it? Fourteen nil. You're all red diamonds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There'll, there'll, there'll be an inquest if we lose to them. Let me tell you. But um, yeah, do you think we come back from that refreshed, rejuvenated? Kevin De Bruyne comes in. He does one of those runs. City go on a 15 game winning streak or is it just not going to be City's year which is fine by well, the way but do you think well, it, it, which way do you think it's going to go you know what I think if people are listening to this on a, a dark day dark Monday in December there needs to be some sort of light right and although I've said all the stats that suggest oh, it could be a tricky one this year do you know what I think so far as I've said everything evens itself out I mean we obviously got Haaland to come back as well Haaland tops all the metrics but he should have so many more goals Mm. No player's missed more big chances than him. He's missed 17 already this season. <laughs> so, yeah, he's also top, still top goal scorer. So if he starts being more efficient, then I, I, I can't even imagine what it's going to be like. It's going to be the Erling Haaland show again. So, But that's just one part and one factor. So for me, I think other teams are currently overperforming. And I don't think it's sustainable. I think, as I said, everything evens itself out. But unfortunately, at the moment for us, we're underperforming. And I think that will even itself out. And I think it will be a very very close race but we've got the know-how we're treble winners we've got that attitude we've got that mentality so do you know what yeah i'm I'm gonna say we're gonna do it why not clip that up clip that up get that on socials get the people feeling positive again and and i do you know it is it is doom and gloom it is a it was a nasty way to drop the points but i do feel like there was, a, you know, I go back to it, City were great. And if City can do those performances for the next 18 matches of the Premier League season, I, I feel like they'll finish on top of the table. Just the way that, you know, 
are Arsenal going to be able to maintain that? Are Liverpool going to be able to maintain that? Aston Villa probably won't be able to maintain that. That just that's just how it feels. But chaps, it's been enjoyable. It's been nice to air those frustrations. And I'm, I, I don't know about you, Hugh, but I'm certainly feeling a little bit more positive after that. I, I woke up this morning feeling grim. Um, maybe that was the 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 night out in the pub that that, that had a big part <laughs> to play. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm feeling a little bit more positive about City's chances as long as we can beat Aurora Red Red. Red Diamonds. Oh, God, I keep calling Red Dragons. <laughs> I'm going to get the Japanese football uh, fan bases coming for me. Yeah, no, I, I, I'm always a bit emotional after the game. But um, the, the next morning I wake up after a good night's sleep. Wasn't on the air last night, thankfully. You know, that would have made it a lot worse. But <laughs> I, I feel a lot more positive. I wish I was going to Saudi, mind you. I could do it a bit of sun. Mm, yeah, yeah. Anybody wants to fund that trip for us? Um, I'll pay. I'll give you my PayPal. Um, George, thank you very much. I think you've brightened up my day. You've certainly brightened up plenty of listeners. So um, appreciate that. No worries at all. Always happy to help you, Amos. Love that, love that. Listeners, if you did enjoy today's show, make sure you check out both of these guys. Social media profiles, Hugh, obviously from City Extra, got plenty of stuff coming up there uh, this week. Hugh, what are you going to be chatting about in the build-up to the Club World Cup? Um, plenty of fun stuff, I imagine. Yep, yep. So tomorrow night we should have Big Steve, or Monday night, 6pm anyway. I don't know what time this goes out, but we should have Big Steve on to chat about Palace. He's going to Saudi as well, so he's mm. he's going to give us his, his plans and that. Plenty of breakdown from the Palace game, plenty of build-up for the, the Club World Cup. Panel show, hopefully get you on that as well. Might get George on too if he's available at some point. And just the usual day-to-day content. Look at that poaching on our very own show. You mean you've made an impression, George? I have to say. Um, where can people find you? Um, mainly Hugh to come after you after this show. But where will people find all your lovely work? I am most active on Twitter. I'm most active on Twitter. That's where you get me at Hugh Murray one eight nine four. But every day City Extra, and then Mondays and Thursdays on the Big Six Show, arguing with rival fans. <laughs> yeah it does make for some very interesting views uh hugh putting up the city corner um okay george yourself what what where can people find your lovely work uh going forward um if they want to catch you elsewhere yeah so i've been a bit quieter but mainly on twitter these days but i'm still expressing opinions and being typical me where in the same sort of fashion that my mouth is three seconds ahead of my brain so is my typing apparently so i'll <laughs> often be tweeting my opinions but yeah you can find me at c george gamble on twitter love that go and check these guys out it's been plenty of fun listeners if you are new please hit follow hit subscribe four more episodes for you this week hopefully city win another trophy we'll have to wait and see but until next time it's been a pleasure we'll see you later make sure you're geared up for man city's end of season running with mcdelivery great food delivered right to your door by using McDelivery, you won't miss a moment of City's crucial running, and just like Kevin De Bruyne, they deliver your order exactly where you want it. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. Are you in? At participating restaurants only, 18 and plus, serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. 
Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.